in friendships, often the problems we have with people are not the problems that they have with themselves. And so me saying to you, these are all the issues I had in our relationship. What am I really leaving you with? I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Today, we have the honor of having Nedra Tawab on the podcast. We read Nedra's book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself, as part of our Herself Book Club and Patreon a couple months ago. As a group, we learned so much about setting boundaries and knew we had to have Nedra on to help more of our community. Nedra is a licensed therapist and a sought-after relationship expert. She has practiced relationship therapy for 12 years and is the founder and owner of the group therapy practice, Kaleidoscope Counseling. Every day, she helps people create healthy relationships by teaching them how to implement boundaries, which we will be diving into today. Nedra, we can't wait to talk about all the things, but please get started by introducing yourself for our audience and tell us why you took such an interest and found purpose in teaching people about boundaries. Well, I think boundaries are life and they are life-giving is something that we all organically fall into. And the growth comes when we start to understand and develop our sense of what boundaries can look like in our lives. So well said. And the boundaries are life-giving. I think even in my past life, and I know many of our listeners think about boundaries as being so harsh, but you teach us so differently. And I know our listeners, they're ready to find peace in boundary setting, but that definitely starts with laying a framework. So Nedra, let's begin with defining what a boundary is and then what it is not. A boundary is a need expectation. It could be yes, it could be no. It is what makes you feel safe and comfortable with yourself and in your relationships with others. It is not telling people how to live their lives, but it is providing a space for them in your life. Yeah, it's so interesting because I think where some people get confused is that we really can't control other people. And that's where I think a lot of us struggle with boundaries is we can set them, but we can't control how people receive them. And we will dive into that a little bit later in the interview. In your book, you stated your boundaries are a reflection of how willing you are to advocate for the life that you want. We know from your teachings that boundaries mean less burnout, better sleep, better relationships, less stress, and more happiness. And I think we can all agree that that sounds like a list that we want in our lives. But putting them into place can be tricky for some of us. So for those of us that are just getting started setting boundaries, what tips do you have? Know that you won't do it perfectly and that it'll be a process to learn how to set boundaries. I think many people give up because they are 
like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing it well, or this isn't going as I expected. It's not perfect. And really it's not supposed to be. It is a lifelong process. We will always be setting boundaries and there will be times that you're not getting it right. But most of the time you will, and you have to start somewhere. So even starting small is a big start. Yeah. It's really interesting to me because it feels like boundaries were around before I learned about them, but it feels like the past couple years, there's just been more of a focus on this subject. So I'm wondering when we were growing up, it's like, did our parents not have the same knowledge of boundaries? Was it a different time where women weren't able to set as many boundaries? What do you think the shift in this being a real focus for us has been? You know, that's really interesting because I don't believe that we know things are problems until it's something we become aware of. Did our parents know that they had some of the freedoms that we may be aware of? Did our parents know that this could be a potential issue? That's hard to say, but what our parents did know is that they may have felt uncomfortable about something, but what they didn't know is that they had options to not feel that way. And so I think boundaries has been an issue, but how we think and feel about those things have evolved. And now we have more options. We have more power. We can take more ownership in certain areas of our lives. And the awareness of those options, it's been an awakening for so many of us. Just previously, you had mentioned about not being perfect. And as somebody who does identify as a perfectionist, that's been hard for me with the boundary setting. If I'm not getting it right the first time, or if I feel like I'm not doing something as well as I should be, sometimes it's not as easy for me to follow through. But I learned from you that the key here is actually consistency. And we hear from our community all the time that they try to set a boundary and then it isn't received. So they might tell their mother-in-law that they want her to stop dropping by And then all of a sudden she keeps doing it or they'll tell their own mom that, you know, they want to have Christmas morning at their house. But then, you know, she has this huge cry and says, you're breaking my heart. Like that's my favorite part of the entire year is having you here on Christmas morning. So what are your tips for these types of situations? Honor your own boundary. We put so much emphasis on other people respecting our boundaries and we don't do it because we don't really want to do the work. We don't really want to hold to I'm not coming over for Thanksgiving. The easier thing we think is for this person to just give in to the boundary. But often they have their own boundary. Your mom is trying to get you there for the holiday. So she's trying to get her need met. And it's okay for you to do the same on your end and really say, no, this year will be different. It makes sense to have your own idea about how to do things. I am a parent of two little kids and I think about it every year that these 18 years that I have them in my home, I can sort of set up what Christmas looks like, but there will come a day where they say to me, mom, I don't want to spend Christmas day with you and I'll have to figure out something else. So say your mom was the one that said, Nedra, you're really breaking my heart. This is something that is so important to me. And say she even started crying. Could you kind of coach us through how you would respond to her? It hurts me to see you like this and I still don't want to come. Yeah, I love that idea that you can honor their feelings. Like you can have empathy that she's having a hard time With that, I think the pivotal piece that we're trying to get across with Nedra today is like, but that doesn't mean that you have to change what your decision was 
or that you have to change your boundary because of her reaction to your boundary? Absolutely. People will have a reaction. And often their initial reaction is a bit of surprise or shock. Like they didn't know that you would say no. They didn't know that you would have an issue with this thing. So they're not responding for the first time ever. Like, oh my gosh, I can't. Like, this is so new to them. And it is a surprise. It is a shock. Last year, you probably went home for Christmas. And this year, you're saying you don't want to. And sometimes, depending on when we tell people things, it can be even worse. Lots of times, I tell my clients, start early. You can tell your parents in March that you won't be home at Christmas time. When you do it on December 15th, they are already expecting you and they're very excited about it. So start early, start preparing them for the inevitable. You know, what was also really interesting about your answer, Nedra, is that it was so short. And I think that a lot of times as women, we have this tendency to want to over explain our answer. And so when you stopped so short there, I was pausing for you to go on. Yeah, but that's it. It can be a short answer. I noticed that. I noticed you were silent. I felt like you were like, Where's the rest of it? I'm like, that's it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. We we do say a lot. And we've conditioned ourselves to have to explain ourselves, to over-explain ourselves so that people get it, that they understand. But ultimately, we're trying to get people to agree with us that what we're saying makes sense. So we keep saying more stuff, looking in their eyes like, are they getting it? Is this it? Oh, maybe if I say this, this will be the turning point when really you don't want to change your position. Yeah, it's that validation that we're seeking maybe from our own parents instead of just being able to be okay with that they might be upset about a new boundary that we have. So I've seen this next quote circulate a lot on Instagram and it says, the people that get mad at your boundaries are the people that benefit from you not having any. In your practice and with your clients, do you find this to be true? Absolutely, but not all the time, but a huge portion of the time, the people who get the most angry at you for having a boundary have been the most disrespectful in your life. Maybe shocking to you, but not shocking to me as a therapist. I'm like, aha, I knew they would respond like this because their offenses have been so egregious that it's almost like they are responding like the audacity of you to say that I can't continue to use you in this way. I can't believe you would say this to me. That is a common response, particularly when we're dealing with folks who have gotten away with things for a very long time. When you loan your coworker lunch money every single week for five years, and then all of a sudden you say, hey, I can't give it to you this week. They're like, what in the holy, <laughs> what's happening? I've come to depend on this money that I never pay you back. You know, like this is now a part of their income almost. Like they're betting on having a free lunch once a week. So you have completely shifted their landscape of what is possible with you. And even in your answer there, I was imagining just a few people in my life that we just keep stubbing our toes on the exact same things. And for some individuals, it might be coworkers. For some, it might be family. And 
when that division happens in the family, it can be really, really hard on us. And we've heard from a lot of women in our community that they back down from those boundaries because it's negatively impacting the relationships that they have in their family. So can you coach us, Nedra, through sticking to these boundaries that are truly important to us, even if there's some resistance or change that is happening in the family? I think step one is to build your tolerance around setting and receiving feedback when you set boundaries. And what I mean by that is you have to practice setting boundaries at work, in your friendships, in your romantic relationships, all sorts of places. And you have to develop your willingness to receive feedback when you set boundaries with people. There have been times where I've set a boundary with someone that I thought was pretty reasonable and they said, hey, have a nice life, <laughs> you know, so that that is a potential reaction. It, it can be that sometimes after you set a boundary, someone responds passive aggressively or all sorts of things, but you have to be okay with the response because ultimately in setting boundaries, you are trying to keep a relationship. We don't typically set boundaries in relationships where there is no relationship. When we tell a coworker, hey, I don't feel comfortable loaning you this anymore, you're not saying to the coworker, I never want to speak to you again. You're saying, hey, I don't want to do this one thing. You're saying one thing in particular. But for some people, if you're not doing that one thing, they don't want you to do anything. So we have to practice in small and big ways setting boundaries and relationships. I think that's the biggest way that we can really affect change in our lives. And there are no real shortcuts other than using, you know, simple and concise wording. There are no shortcuts to getting around setting the boundary. And I've seen people try to do it where they try to like outsmart the boundary. And it's almost like watching, uh, what's that movie where those unfortunate deaths keep happening? Uh, Final Destination. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, it's like you just get pushed to a point where you just have to do it. It's like the boundary is coming. Like there is no way to get around setting this boundary. Like these things will keep happening. You can, you know, sometimes you try to dodge people, you try to ignore them, you try to do all of these things. And eventually it's like, okay, final destination, boundary time. It just has to happen. There is no way to get around it. And I think that we can do a lot of tricking ourselves like, oh, maybe I won't have to say this really hard thing. And and when you don't, you suffer. And that's for sure. I know that in my relationships, I've felt so much resentment because something keeps happening and I don't set the boundary and it keeps happening and I keep getting annoyed and it's this cycle, but I'm not really giving the other person the opportunity to make it better because I'm just not stating a clear boundary. And one of the reasons I loved your book so much and I shared it with my community so much is because in the beginning of it, you were talking about how clarity is very much relationship building. Like it helps you build relationships. And I think just as a woman in the past, like boundaries have had almost a negative connotation. And you really helped me understand that it can be very positive for relationships. It can be because it, it helps to clarify your roles. It helps to make sure that each person's needs are met. It's not just you having the boundary. The other person in the relationship has boundaries as well. It's not like you're going around and you're being like, 
I have all the boundaries and no one else can. It's like, no, like I'm also respecting boundaries, whatever your boundaries are. Like it's a two-way street of boundaries. On each side, we have boundaries and we're passing through and everything is great. Unfortunately, we have to also develop the ability to receive boundaries from other people. Mm. One of the parts in my book that people found really hard, and I heard a few people say, I just had to close the book because I felt called out, that we have a real hard challenge accepting other people's boundaries. We want people to just listen to us and, yeah, don't come over my house, don't do this. But boy, oh boy, when someone says that to us, oh my gosh, I can't believe they wouldn't come to my party because they were moving. It happens, <laughs> you know, like, at least they told you. You know, we have to acknowledge that people will say no to us too, that people will have some boundaries with us. And that's okay because we are allowed to have boundaries just like other people are. And respecting boundaries is such a beautiful way to show up in your relationships and really love on people by saying, I acknowledge this thing about you and I respect it. And a quick break from our podcast sponsor, which is Rothy's. So the number one word Rothy's customers use to describe their shoes is comfortable. And what makes Rothy's so insanely comfortable, like the moment you put them on, it's actually their unique seamless design. So Rothy's fan favorite styles are available in tons of shapes, tons of colors, and really they have something for every occasion. And what I love about them is that they're sustainably made. So they're made with recycled materials like plastic water bottles that would end up in a landfill, but instead they're making beautiful, stylish, and comfortable shoes. And having them be made of water bottles also makes them fully machine washable. So if you're walking around outside this time of year, you're going to need something that you can just throw in the washing machine and come out looking good as new. So from their best-selling round and pointed toe flats to the sneakers that Amy and I absolutely love, their shoes are really made for any adventure or any day that you have in mind. So to help you welcome in this season with style and comfort, Rothy's is doing something special. They gave us the chance to share this super rare opportunity with our listeners for a limited time. And right now you can get $20 off your very first purchase at rothys.com backslash herself. That's Rothy's, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash herself, and that will get you $20 off your very first pair. We all have different values as well. I remember my friend was just telling me a story about her sister, Lon. She was so upset and she was like, I would never have skipped that family function. And In my head, I was like, and that's fine if you would have never. Mm -hmm. She's allowed to make her decisions too. So I think we often see life in our own lens. And we have a huge problem when people have a different lens, but as is life. And so when we're operating, we can't just think everyone's going to make the same decisions, the same boundaries. What I love about you, Nedra, is that you don't sugarcoat this process. You tell us this is not going to be easy to set and then to honor your boundaries and that people might have all of these different reactions. In your book, you go through them. But one example you give is that people might be passive aggressive toward you when you set a boundary. This is something that comes up in our community 
over and over again, women tell us, you know, my mom, my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law, they're very passive aggressive. Can you give us tips for how to handle that type of behavior? Oh, yes. The passive aggressive response is so common. I remember I set a boundary with a family member about how we communicate because the person completely monopolizes the conversation. They will say, how are you? But you could tell they're just asking because you're supposed to because they will cut you off and they'll start seeing your stuff. And so I said something. And the next conversation, they said, uh, yeah, I'm going to let you talk because I know you, you want to say your stuff first. <laughs> it was, it was quite interesting. So I get it. Sometimes when we, you know, give people that boundary, they're like, you know what, I'm upset about it. And I will let you know that does happen. When it happens, that is not a time for us to feel bad about setting a boundary, but it's certainly a time for us to acknowledge that they recognized it, right? That is a beautiful thing. Like, oh my gosh, they hurt me. And then any point after that, what I start to process is they are intentionally ignoring this boundary because it doesn't work for them. So when someone is passive aggressive, particularly when they mention it, they are intentionally ignoring this thing that you want because it doesn't fit in line with what they want for themselves or what they want with other people. It is a sign of disrespect when someone dishonors a boundary and they fully know what that boundary is. With family, we have been in relationships with our families our entire lives. However old you are, you have been in a relationship with someone in your family. And it can be really challenging to speak up for yourself, to stand up for yourself to people who knew you before you could even say your name, to stand up to people who help shape who you are. But it is such a reclaiming of self to be able to use your voice and to advocate for what you need now. Um, our needs change over time. And as we become older and more mature, more of ourselves, things that may have been okay in the past can no longer be okay today. And that's all right. And when we find that that is the case, we have to communicate those things because ultimately we want to be in healthy, happy, fulfilling relationships. And to do that, we have to open ourselves up to uncomfortable conversations. And they can be uncomfortable and they also help to make for better boundaries. I think we can all imagine or know that person who does that passive aggressive behavior. And I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. I know I in the past have also done that. So it's just a really good check in with yourself to see when are you intentionally ignoring. Um, but then also understanding that when they acknowledge and then they recognize it, that's already progress. That's already growth in that relationship. And then, Nendra, another thing that we have heard and experienced ourselves is guilt tripping. So this is a common one that our community deals with. And can you coach us on how to handle guilt trips? Mm -hmm. Recognize it. The number one way to handle a guilt trip is to recognize it. Often we feel the worst about guilt tripping when we are being manipulated. But when you recognize what sort of statements people make when they're trying to guilt trip you or which person in particular uses guilt tripping as a communication method, you can better handle it. 
is not coming out of nowhere and it's less of a gaslighting type process. Sometimes when we're unaware of the manipulation, it's like you're constantly questioning yourself. But did I, did I say that? But when you recognize that, oh, I see what they did there. It really opens up this space for you to not allow that to be effective and to not be impactful. You have to really call it out. And you mentioned the example earlier of the mom crying to make you you know, want to come home for Christmas. Now, she could be crying because she's really sad. She could be crying because she's trying to make you feel bad. But either way, I think it's okay to recognize the person's response and to say, you know, I hear that this is something that's really tough for you. It sounds like, you know, you had a different plan in place, but this is what I would prefer. Or I hear that this is not something that you necessarily agree with, but this is what I'm doing. Letting people know that I I see you, I hear you, I recognize that, and I will be proceeding with my plan. So when you say that we're going to acknowledge that, you know, say they're giving us a guilt trip, is it we're acknowledging it for ourselves or is it like we should be also acknowledging it out loud to the person that's doing it? Most importantly with yourself, I'm still researching this, but I haven't found it to be very effective to tell people about themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm researching it personally, professionally, on Instagram. When I go to the grocery store, everywhere I go, I'm always wondering, is that effective? I haven't seen it be very effective to tell people very directly, you know, what their behavior is when you have the power to change that thing that they're doing. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, when we're talking about, you know, our mothers, our mother-in-laws, they might have been this way for... 65 years. And it's like, I don't think that me telling her she's using a guilt trip is probably going to maybe change her. My therapist too was also like, Amy, I also want you to know that I wouldn't do what I do if people couldn't change. So it's this really delicate balance of sometimes wanting better for the relationship that you're in. And the hard part can be if you truly feel like there's not going to be improvement in that area? One of the greatest therapeutic tools is not telling people how to exist. We don't typically show up as therapists and say, these are all of your problems. Now let's talk about how to fix them. People change because they know this problem. People change because they have an issue with their behavior. People change because their lives are impacted by who they are. Not because I say you're too loud, you're guilt tripping, you're this, you're that. That is often received with defensiveness. That's why I say I'm still researching because for some reason, it's our go-to method to tell people you're guilt tripping me. And then they're like, no, I'm not. It's like, okay, that's not going to work. Let's stop doing this. Like it's super ineffective. If you know someone is guilt tripping you, you acknowledge it. You say, wow, they're trying to guilt trip me. You saying that to them, they will give you 15 reasons why they aren't doing it. Yeah. Or, well, you know what you're doing. I was just listening. You guilt trip me too. (laughs) Okay. I was just listening to a podcast with Esther Perel and she was giving the woman advice to write a letter to her mom 
but with the intention of not sending it. Just like the fact mm-hmm. that she has to work through those feelings, like she wants to get them all out, but we put mm-hmm. too much emphasis on like that it would need to be sent when really it's our soul's healing of what the relationship Mm -hmm. has done to us. And we might not, probably won't be able to change the other person. I think it's really hard for us that are in that situation to get that part down because of course we always want to try to change others around us. We often believe that people will have this confession moment. Lots of folks, particularly those who come from backgrounds with dysfunctional, unhealthy parents or family members, there is this deathbed waiting that some folks will do where, oh my gosh, they're sick in the hospital. I know they're going to say something profound. And they don't. They don't. They have zero regrets about how they treated you. And if they do have those regrets, they're still not seeing them. And it is your work to release them, even though they won't apologize or acknowledge those Mm. things. I've heard tons of stories of people like, oh, I know they're about to say something. And it's like, they just said, turn the TV up. Like they didn't you know, say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was an alcoholic and I should have been a better parent. Like beautiful if that happens. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited when that happens for folks. But for the most part, we have to create that closure ourselves. We have to do the work of forgiveness ourselves. We have to do the work of living with the things we can't change ourselves is not waiting for these other people to release us so we can live our lives. That really resonates with me personally. I know a lot of other people will feel the same way. I wanted to get into one part in your book that really surprised us as readers and as listeners. You said that it was okay to sometimes let a friendship fizzle out quietly and there doesn't need to be this big stated friendship breakup. Could you get into this? Because I know in our community, a lot of women are in their 30s and it's a tough decade for friendships. You know, people might not be giving you what you're seeking. People are changing. People have kids and jobs and all the things. So a little coaching on why it doesn't always have to be this big dramatic breakup. Rarely have I experienced someone releasing me from a friendship. And I'm saying rarely because I don't want to say never, but I'm thinking never. I know that I have probably like made a statement of finality to someone. And that's only because they continue to contact me beyond a place of comfort. But I think that in most cases, our friendships just sort of dissolve. Like there's this understanding of, wow, we don't talk as much anymore. And it just continues in that way. There are times where people might be a little more persistent with continuing to contact us or that sort of thing. And when that is the case, that might make sense to, you know, have this conversation. But for the most part, Just pulling back is typically enough. I don't know. What have you experienced? Because when you say that's surprising, I guess we think it's surprising because there is perhaps this thought that we have to be very direct. And I think friendship 
is a space where silence is behavior. It's like that with family too. Now, I think with dating relationships, there is some more directness there. But I I think that in other relationships, that silence or distance can be an indicator of where the relationship is. And if we're pushing beyond that, of course, you may want to say something like, hey, just wanted you to know I'm taking a break. But for the most part, it seems like those things just very naturally unfold and that that energy is felt throughout the relationship, not just with you. A quick break from our sponsor, Third Love. With the holidays upon us, we know that we all need comfortable clothes. Once you stuff that last piece of turkey in you, you're going to want to change into your loungewear or your sleepwear. Did you know that Third Love has some of the comfiest loungewear and sleepwear available? From their quilted sweatshirt to their cotton cashmere relaxed fit jogger, their loungewear is not only so cute, but would be the perfect gift for a woman in your life. You can also head to their fitting room quiz, which Abby and I have both taken, and it tells you what your perfect size bra would be. So whether you go with their sleepwear, their loungewear, or their wonderful undergarments, you know that you are getting high quality pieces that are going to last so long. Feeling is believing. So upgrade to everyday pieces that love your body as much as you do. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash herself. That's right, 20% off at thirdlove.com slash herself. I know that I'm going to use our code to finish some of my holiday shopping because I know that this is a brand that my sisters would absolutely love. So again, go to thirdlove.com slash herself for 20% off. I think that what I'm learning from this interview and from your teaching is the closure doesn't always rely on the other person. And a lot of times I think that we can think that it does. Like I need to have closure. We need to have, you know, a final conversation or something like that. And I think a lot of us that grew up in our generation, it was really like, you know, friendship, family above everything. And, you know, the friendships that last the test of time are the ones that are so, so important. And I think as we've gotten older and we've started to understand that friendships might have their seasons or they might go through changes, that is a hard concept when you've been raised to think that, you know, you need to be loyal and you need to be there and you need to always be there. So for me, at least, that's what comes up when I think about the friendship, just being able to fizzle out quietly seems like, Mm. you know, a little bit hard for me to process. Mm. Yeah, I think about, I can't even say in friendships, but like in dating relationships where there has been like this closure conversation, I can't say that I felt much better after the conversation. I was still left with questions sometimes with, oh, I still want, you know, like all of that stuff still occurred. And I had to release myself from that situation or the other person had to release themselves from that situation. But When we want something, is there anything that another person can say 
that will give us that thing if we're wanting something from them currently. Now, of course, if you're talking about a relationship with a parent-child and they are apologizing for absence or for certain things, that can, you know, feel like some sort of resolution and it can release some resentment and those sorts of things. But in friendships, often the problems we have with people are not the problems that they have with themselves. And so me saying to you, these are all the issues I had in our relationship. What am I really leaving you with? Yeah, that doesn't help very much, does it? Yeah, I, I just wonder. I, I remember the, the last friendship I left, I was talking to someone about it. I said, I don't know if I need to go in and tell this person all of these things because these things are actually working for them in other relationships. It doesn't work with me. It's not working for our relationship. There's nothing wrong with you. These things are excellent in your other relationships. We're not talking about you committing crimes. And, you know, we're talking about stuff that I, in particular, I don't have a preference for these things. Doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It's just not my preference. But clearly, you have friend groups, you have work friends, you have all of these things going for you. So I will accept this as a personal issue. And their relationship with other people doesn't have to be affected. They can still have those. Just your relationship with them, that is okay to fizzle out. Absolutely. And Nedra, really what I'm hearing in all of this is that it's natural as we change for some relationships just to start to fall. And it's taken me personally a really long time to understand this. I'm a person who holds on to friendships much longer in the past, at least much longer than necessary. I will fight. I will be so bold to be like, I need to catch up. I need to do this. I need to do this. And once in a while, it's okay just to let them fizzle and instead of trying to work so hard. But I can see Colin still trying to fit into this, especially with some of his past friendships. I mean, friendships from grade school that he's still trying to follow up with all the time. And I I love the loyalty, but they're different people now. And I also want adults to understand that they can feel worthy of new relationships and they can feel worthy of that change. It can be really hard accepting that the things that you had in common with people that you used to be really, really close to have shifted. I've certainly experienced that through middle school, high school, college, becoming an adult and having different life experiences. Everyone is not going to, you know, be in the same space as you. It's not even about evolving and thriving and all of that stuff. It's just that Some people are not in the same space as you. The friends that you had in middle school may not be the people that you need to carry to college with you. The people from college may not be the people you need to carry to the next phase of life, whatever. And and sometimes we can go back to people. I have certainly, you know, went back to some friendships that maybe fizzled out in college. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm friends again with this person from high school. So as long as nothing egregious occurred, it's not like a forever, we're not, you know, we're not going to be friends. But right now, at this point in time, we can have some space. And that that is okay. And Nedra, we definitely couldn't let this interview go by without one of my favorite quotes that I just want you to touch on briefly, which is staying quiet will piss you off. I say this one constantly. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. And I've experienced this really on a deep level as someone who's working through my people-pleasing tendencies. I know others in our audience are as well. I can confirm that this is so true. So can you talk more about why staying quiet does just piss people off and how we can start to work up the courage to tell our truths? 
Well, the challenge with saying quiet is the thing that is bothering you continues to occur. There is no stopping point because people have no clue that you have a problem with it. And so in order for us to experience any relief or any resolution, we have to speak about the things that are bothering us. And I know we want people just to just really get into our brains or tap into our you know, hard drive and figure out what all our problems are. And really, we have to be able to tell people. And it is hard. It is really hard to talk to people. It is really hard to speak about your feelings. But what can make it easier is you yourself being open to how people experience you. I practice this all the time as a parent. My kids say, stuff that I don't always love about my parenting. And I just listen and I don't try to talk them out of it. I don't try to tell them, no, no, it was this way. It's like, okay, you're right. I was not listening at that point. I got you. What would you like me to do next time? Because I want you to be able to talk to me. So I'm inviting you to have some feedback about me. Now I'm going to also have some feedback about you. (laughs) But I am inviting you to critique our relationship because this is how it grows. When I know that I am stepping on your toes, when I know that I am offending you, when I know that you have a preference that something is done differently, this is how we grow in our relationship because often people leave relationships without saying anything. This is how so many people get divorced and they're like, I was blindsided. Yeah, because the other person never spoke to the issues that they're having. I once read a book called If You're in My Office, It's Too Late. It's a book about marriage from a divorce attorney. And he speaks from the perspective of these are the reasons that people commonly get a divorce. And one of the top reasons is they never talk about the problems they have with their partner. And they immediately go to a divorce attorney. And the partner has no clue (laughs) that all of this stuff has been brewing and it is impacting so much. It has probably been impacting the whole marriage. But to get to this place of of, I haven't said anything, yeah, it's a really hard spot to be to hold someone accountable for something that they don't even know about. Yeah, it's like we're keeping these scores in our head but we're not letting people in on the scoreboard. And it's like, sometimes you've got to be able to communicate what's going on so that you guys can get to a better place. What we find in our community is that when women aren't setting boundaries, they are not feeling their best. They're worried about pleasing everyone else and they forget to leave space to please themselves. So I wanted to leave them with some positive mantras that they could use to remind themselves that they are worthy of their own time. Because as all three of us know, the way that we talk to ourselves matters. Our words are so powerful. Like you said before, it's not about going around and just setting boundaries with everyone. It's like the reason we're doing some of this is that so we can feel good. So is there anything you use when you're talking to yourself or mantras that you give your clients for reminding them that they are worthy of these boundaries and of their own time? I think those are the mantras. I am worthy of boundaries. I am worthy of my own time. Most things are pretty simple and we complicate them. 
we have to, we think is like, oh my gosh, I have to say this really big thing. And it's like, no, that's just it. We have to give ourselves freedom and give other folks freedom to consider themselves. We have to be able to think about ourselves without being shamed, without being guilted. We have to be able to talk about things without being told how to feel, what to think. It'll be okay. Like all of these things we do to people because it's it's just not helpful. So you own your time. You own all of these things. And it's okay for you to have 100% preference as to how you spend your time and who you spend it with. It is okay for you to speak your needs to other people because you are with yourself all the time and you are the person that you need to please the most. Even if you're a people pleaser, you have to please yourself most of the time. Nedra, all of those, like every single one of them, I know that it's going to resonate with somebody in our audience. And just that simplicity piece, like we do as women, as human beings, we do try to complicate things. And sometimes it can be so simple, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. You've honestly been a dream guest since the very, very beginning of our podcast. And we are so excited to share you on a deeper level with our community. So Nedra, could you let everyone know where they can find more of you and maybe some of the best places to support your books or any offers that you have? Yes, so I I am most present on Instagram at Nedra Tawab. I have a website with a ton of resources and that is nedratawab.com. I have a book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. I have a workbook coming out, the Set Boundaries Workbook. Yes, I would say if you want to find out anything, go to Instagram. Thank you again, Nedra, so much. And if you're in Patreon, Nedra will be answering a few more questions over there for our members. We have one question teed up on setting family boundaries with the holidays, and I am personally so excited for this answer. So if you've been thinking about signing up for Patreon, maybe for book club, for the extra audio from our guests, maybe for the coaching prompts or the coaching sessions, there's a lot of added resources over there as well. We'll make sure to include the link to join in the notes below. 